Hi, everybody. It's Peter Bassler here again from ESEC Lending with another episode of ESEC Lending Insights. It's been a while since we've gotten this crew together. I'm joined by my frequent co-host, Brooke Gilman, and also Jim Maroney. So great to be back with you guys. It's summer. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Rather than record this podcast, I'd love to just catch up with the two of you because Basler, I know you just got back from holiday. I had vacation time last week. And Jim, I don't know, are you always on vacation, Jim, or do you work a lot? It's the other way around, Brooke. I never take vacation. This is the first time we've talked to each other in a while, right? And Brooke complains frequently that Jim and I constantly change the time because we're extremely busy with other things. I I have heard from the market that we are quite popular. (laughs) People like to tune in to the dynamics of ESEC insights. So uh, I think we need to give the people what they want, which is a new podcast. Yes. Well, there it's, we go. it's good that you're telling your friends to give you nice compliments. So <laughs> yeah, I heard that's the only spot we got the compliments is Jim Maroney's industry friends. So we'll take what we can get, right? Absolutely. All compliments are good compliments for us. Absolutely. We're past well, with- July 4th. So what's going on? Is there anything going on in the market, Jim? The discretionary market's pretty quiet. We had a very busy June, we ESEC. We did five auctions, gave us some interesting insight into varying markets. We did a U.S. equity auction. We did an Asia auction, a couple of fixed income auctions, and an all-market auction. So some of the highlights, certainly credit continues to be one of the favorites from borrowers in terms of bidding and exclusives. We're seeing really nice premiums for high yield, a little bit less so, but still in the EM space. And then we saw interest in the investment grade space for the first time. So not dramatic premiums, but certainly something above what we get in discretionary. So nice to see that. And I think that just exemplifies the focus on credit, which we have seen both in discretionary and in our previous auctions. Jim, real quick on that. How do you see premiums like right now or in the last month versus prior years in that space when you talk about high yield? Is it dramatically different? Not from historics, but year over year, they're up. So that's good to see. And I think you want to see that trend. We talk about how auctions give the trading desk insight that you wouldn't otherwise have into what brokers think is going to come over the next year. So we are taking a lot away from the recent fixed income auctions that we've had in that we think borrowers expect credit to be well shorted in the next and year. The same players that would historically bid as well, are you seeing more additions in terms of bidding activity? No, same players for the most part. There's three or four core bond guys who bid on portfolios. They typically have either derivative businesses they support on the back of indices that they actually publish. Barclays would be a good example of somebody who has a lot of fixed income indices and somebody who would look at exclusives. I know we traffic a lot in HYG and JNK. Mm. Are those still kind of the bellwether when you look at discretionary trading, looking at those individual names? Is that a good way to predict what's going on broadly in that asset class? Yeah, not sure about predicting, but they certainly move lockstep. So I think HYG and JNK, when you look at creations and redemptions, as well as borrow fees and utilization, tells the picture and tells the same story that you'll see in the underlying credits. Bonds isn't the only story. So we found out on the negative side that the market isn't ready for Korea exclusives at this point. I think there's a lot of concern about regulators making changes still to the short sell ban that's been lifted or the continued short sell ban on a handful of indices left in that market. While we're trading that market in discretionary and having a ton of success since the May lifting of the short sale ban, it's not ready for exclusive. So we saw very little on market or on point bids in that market. We got bids, but they were kind of throwaway, I guess is what you'd say. 
Can you contrast that with Taiwan and Malaysia as well? Yeah. And Japan, I would say, has been strong. So Taiwan, we had a pretty good size, went very well auction, lots of participation. Even since that auction, we see continued interest in Taiwan. This last week has been a very good week for our Taiwan discretionary book. Most of Asia seems to be back and trending in the right direction. The last two months, we've seen average fee for that space go up almost every single day, which is great. We think it was triggered by that lifting of the short sale ban in Korea that we know we're back in Asia when the final short sale ban gets eradicated, then we'll be in, I think, pretty good shape and smooth sailing going forward. But um, that's definitely been a highlight for us in the last quarter. Is Asia's story also pretty broad-based? I mean, is that why some of these exclusives are doing well, broad-based as far as breadth of demand, or is it kind of concentrated? So for markets like Malaysia, you have two or three guys who always have the demand. They have the hedge funds onboarded. And so I think depends on the market. Japan is very widespread. We probably had 10 participants in a Japanese auction that we did recently, whereas is Malaysia, we have three or four guys. So really okay. depends on the market and how deep or developed that market is from a shorting perspective. I was meaning more from a stock perspective, less so from the borrower perspective. So the individual names in the market, is that concentrated? Is it five uh, names or is it 20 names? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I guess you could think about it from both perspectives. Yeah, still pretty concentrated, you know, 80-20 or 85-15 rule in effect, sadly. It's not that deep of a short market. I can that's probably on the equity side can be applied globally. But in the US, we're moving sideways, maintaining shorts. There, there's a lot of rotation. We're seeing IPOs, we're seeing lockups and MA come in and out. And so names are hard to borrow for two weeks or two months and then they're gone but they're getting replaced. It's not that scenario where they're not replaced. And so I think the high market valuations in general begets some shorting. And even in this market, July and August are typically kind of risk sideways. It's not risk off, but not much happens when everybody's at the beach or hopefully everybody's at the beach. This year in particular, on the back of a COVID year last year, everybody's probably anxious to get out. I know I've got two weeks coming up, which I'm excited about. So we're happy to mark time and just tread water at what feels like slightly inflated run rates across all programs or most programs. So it still feels pretty good. We hope that today there's a little bit of volatility in the market. And we hope that continues throughout the summer. And then when folks come back in in September, they have a go at that last quarter in terms of generating some alpha. And so that could mean long, short funds are active. Thus far, pretty good year. And we're hoping for a good fourth quarter. And so with the volatility that you saw this morning and today, is the impact of the flow from the borrowers right away? Or do you see that no. next couple of days following it? I mean, if you think about general books, 90, 95% GC. I guess U.S. is a good proxy. And so those sorts of names, you don't need to borrow until settlement date. So typically a couple of days later. Yeah, no, I mean, we've had an active morning, but not because the cash market is down four or 500. Any news on the collateral side that you're seeing from these recent auctions or just borrower preferences? I know, we, mm -hmm. you know last year there was some shifting from cash to non-cash. I know the cash markets are still challenged from a yield perspective. What are you seeing from the borrower side? Not much chatter. We continue to see non-cash as a preference and we continue to get pushed from our counterparts to expand that non-cash, which is underway here. So we've been doing quite a bit of expanding the equities that we take and expanding the fixed income that we take. And so it's just a matter of rolling that out to our client base and then onboarding brokers are willing to pay for the funding of that collateral that they can't otherwise fund easily or fund in the second lending market. Primes like to be self-funded. Nobody's pounding the table today saying I got to have cash loans or I got to have non-cash loans. It's a work in progress. But the one thing I'm starting to hear, and maybe it's 
folks are bored in the summer, but people are talking about Saudi Arabia and new markets. It's really the only market that's close and there's still a number of hurdles and we sec along with probably our peers. We have inventory, we have clients who have inventory and working on access to that market for us as an agent and for our beneficial owners, but seems to be in the handful of meetings that we've done as an industry post COVID, that topic always comes up. Previously, it's not a hot topic, new markets, but maybe there's nothing else to talk about. Either way, it's coming and it's real and it's in front of us as an opportunity, whereas China is still kind of in the future. And clients, back to the comment, Peter, that you asked, Jim, about just collateral trends and if anything's changing with borrowers, I'd say what we're seeing is that more and more clients are open and willing to have the conversations to review, whether it's if they're already taking equities to potentially look at their equity schedules, look at what their allowable indices are, look at their margins, potentially those that aren't yet taking equities to incorporate that profile within their program. So we've had a number of clients that have adopted a more flexible approach to their collateral guidelines for a good number of years, but we're seeing more and more head that direction. And not everyone is able yet in terms of some certain client types wouldn't be allowed to do that from a regulatory perspective but those that can, we're seeing a greater adoption and more activity, I would say, in terms of review and analysis on collateral guidelines, just to match the other side of the trend in terms of what borrowers are preferring on the collateral side. Jim, you just were talking about feedback from the borrowers on Saudi Arabia. What have your meetings been like lately? Just thinking about now that a lot of people are back in the office. How many of your borrower counterparts do you think are back in the office or how many in-person meetings have you actually had recently? What's the latest going on there? We've been doing Zooms with borrowers for a year, year and a half. And so those continue. I've done three or four in-person meetings. There's a lot of talk about September. I think folks we talk to, the counterparts, the borrowers will be back in the office, back in New York in September, probably more so than our client side of it. I think ESEC is still work from home, but we plan on going back in a hybrid. We're still determining how we're going to do it, but I think it's a hybrid for us in September. That's probably for most of our clients, that's the way it's going to be. But brokers might be more in the office. I think there's interaction amongst a trading floor that is less monoline like we are and more diverse in terms of the products they have, they might need the interaction a little bit more or on the operational side, it might be a little bit trickier. So I expect to be back to relatively normal, meaning I'm hoping to travel to New York in September and travel to London as soon as they let me to get in front of borrowers again. I'm looking forward to it. People are excited to talk about what can we do next? What's new? What are you doing away? The typical conversations you don't have over Bloomberg or the phone are missed. And so I'm excited to do that. Jim, another quick question for you is something that we're involved in peer-to-peer trading. How do you see you know, our lending to non-traditional counterparties in your book today? And what are you hearing out there? I know there are other structures that borrowers can participate in to get more towards peer-to-peer, even if there are other structures that effectively keep the risk the way it is. Are you seeing more of those types of things and interest in our book? Yeah, I am. I think it's fair to say that peer-to-peer transactions will be part of this market on a go-forward basis. And I think everybody understands that and they're finding different ways to achieve that. And there's benefits for everybody in the value chain, whether it's Benny owner, agents, brokers, or hedge funds to have peer-to-peer, however you define it, whether it's hedge fund to beneficial owner or Benny owner to Benny owner, there's value for everybody in that chain. And so I think, yeah, it's not going to be 50 or 100% of the business when it comes to GC on the books, but there'll be space for it. And I think we're well positioned to take advantage of that and anxious to do that sort of business, whether it's five or 10% of our book or a little bit more, a little less. I'm not sure how it'll shake out. I would say, I guess that's fair, Peter, in addition to new markets and Saudi Arabia, people are 
talking about peer-to-peer. Certainly when I meet with them, it's one of the questions they have for us. Everybody's interested. I got one more question for you. We talked about the strength of credit, Asia. Where are things like really soft? Are there any spots that surprise you as far as lack of demand and softness that we're not seeing good things trending? I mean, Uh, is it the standard large cap space or are there other things to think about? I think large caps have fairly good interest at the moment. When you talk about soft markets, I just think about the reinvest side and how difficult that market is today. So a cash only lender will struggle. You know, they'll have more cash than they do assets to buy, opportunities to buy assets. You know, go out one year and you're getting benchmark plus 13. It's not that sexy. So right. I think that's a really soft market. The 10 years been coming down from you know, the 2% projection not too long ago, peaked at kind of one and three quarters, whatever it is now, it's at 130. It's really hard to figure out where that market's headed, certainly for an equity clown like me. Uh, I have no idea, but that's the only soft market I can think of. Maybe the SPACs have kind of cooled off a bit in general in the market. So there's less volume and interest there, but that's about it. It feels like a pretty good, quiet market, if that makes sense. Yeah. One last question. With cash spreads low, how does that affect GC? Because a lot of times the driver of GC was having above the line kind of return. Has that yeah. pushed people to demanding better rates on the lending side in order to still yeah. have some GC business? Yeah, that's exactly what's happened. So the cost of GC has come down from a lender's perspective, gone up from a borrower's perspective when they're facing off with agents. And we still have fairly healthy year over year and year to date GC balances in all the developed markets. And we've aggressively repriced the book in a response to the yields coming down. You can't have a cost of funds that is near or through, God forbid, the yield. I think. It's non-cash is a good solution for that when it gets too expensive to borrow cash. And and that's what we've seen, but we're kind of flattened out now. But I think the cost of funds, the GC rates, if you will, the desk rates are back to normal levels that are representative of intrinsic value of the borrow as opposed to any sort of buying cash on one side or paying a tax on the other for access to specials. Right. I think we maybe have used our time here and not to bore people for too long. The paparazzi, Jim, that follow you because of this podcast stardom that you've now created for yourself, really want to know, are you going to be local to the Dartmouth area for your time away? Are you getting on a plane or what are you doing? A little bit of time. I am not getting on a plane. You know, if you live in New England, you only have two or three really nice months of weather. And so you want to stay here. during this month. So we tra- travel in the winter, maybe Martha's Vineyard for three or four days, but staying local otherwise, staycation. Nice. And does that include more golf than fishing or equal parts? I'm an awful fisherman. I've been begging some people to teach me how to fish. Nobody has taken me up on it. So it'll include more golf than fishing. For sure. (laughs) Well, I got on a plane, Brooke, if you care. I was just on a plane and I was in airports and it was crazy busy in those airports. So people are traveling. Jim, maybe not, but I was in Tahoe and it was gorgeous. A lot of people, lake, hiking. So it was good to get away. I like getting away but I'll stay local the rest of the summer now. Did you get on water skis? No, I was on a tube. There wasn't the water ski option, mm. but I would have. I'm waiting to do the water skiing at our next offsite at your gorgeous place on Lake Champlain, Brooke. And yeah. That would be my preference for yeah. water skiing. And I'll take Maroney on on a slalom any day. I'll also put you on a tube and be happy to be the driver. So I'm in line for driving that boat as well, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, hey, at least it's summer. The weather has been good 
and things are opening up. And I think obviously things in our space are looking up, whether it's credit or Asia, but hopefully everyone is staying safe still and enjoying the summer. We appreciate your time and attention. And if you have any recommendations for future podcasts, we're all ears and we'd love to get some new ideas. So hope everybody took away something from this and we'll see you next time. Thanks guys. Thank you.